In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27, Paul says, I discipline my body and make it my slave. You know, we often forget, guys, that God has called us to steward the bodies he gave us so that we'll be ready, healthy, and spiritually dangerous to fight the good fight, whether it's working at your job, serving your God, protecting your bride, or being a great dad to your kids. That's why we're so excited to partner with Mountain Tough Fitness Lab. Mountain Tough Fitness Lab is run by Christian men who are passionate about training you to be your best version and to stay dangerous and ready for God. Join me on my journey by going to mountaintough.com. That's M-T-N-T-O-U-G-H and getting your free six-week trial when you type in the code ARENA30. You won't be disappointed. Stay dangerous. In the New Testament times, a child was considered of no importance, meriting little attention or favor, and Jesus focuses on them. And that is the spirit of gentleness that flows out of strength. It's not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who was actually in the arena, whose face is marked by dust and sweat and blood. From Men in the Arena, it's Equipping Men in 10. Our conviction is to call you into the arena of manhood, call you out of the faceless, nameless bleachers, and call you up to be the best version of you. Because when a man gets it, everyone wins. Enjoy today's episode. Men in the Arena Army, we we salute salute you. you. Hey guys, thanks for listening to another episode of the Men in the Arena podcast. As we uh, have reached over 500 episodes, and we're coming up to almost a half a million downloads, and we're ranked number one Christian podcast for men on Spotify right now. We just want to say thank you uh, for being so faithful to this uh, ministry and to this podcast, and it's because of you uh, that we keep doing what we're doing. Hey, as you know, I'm Jim Ramos, the host of your show today, and I'm here with Dale Culver, our producer. Today, I want to talk to you about the 19th quality of the full capacity man, the gentle man. But before we do, the moment you've all been waiting for, Dale Culver is going to give us a man word for today. Gentle would be a good man word. Are you serious? But I'm not using that. Okay, thank All you, right, Jesus. You're, you're, it's just Dale. Dude, seriously. All right. Like you had Cornerstone last week. That was so good, and now you're going to go with gentle? I'm not. I'm not. It's like saying vanilla. I'm not. I know. Okay. Okay, good. man word is chivalry. You've done that one before. Have I really? Yeah, like episode 237. Don't you remember that one? Oh. You've done chivalry. You're kidding me. I'm not you're, kidding you. 237? Hey, pastors never lie. <laughs> oh, and we never exaggerate. I actually thought of this before we 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 just got back from running some errands, and uh, you ex- you actually um, tried using some chivalry with to somebody, carry somebody's yeah. some lady's stuff, and, and she said, "No, I can handle it." Uh, yeah, it's never about handling it; it's no. about honoring. Yes, just honoring, and it's a it's a manly attribute, and it's important that we uh, as men use that. So let's go with the word honor. All right. Honor is my word. Honor is your word. Very very good. Very original. Well, yeah, because when we open the door for our wives, my wife right now is in the middle of training me to open the door for her. Uh, I just forget. So she'll stand there. Do you bulldoze her? She'll stand there. And so she's training me to to do that, not because she's too weak to open the door. I mean, that gal's really strong and super fit. It's because she is saying, this is another opportunity, boy. For you to honor me. So anyway, yeah, that's really good, man. So hey, I want to continue our conversation about the full capacity man. We're on 19 out of 20. 
And so the meat of the podcast today is dealing with a gentleman. This comes out of 1 Timothy 3, verses 2 and 3, and Titus 3, verse 2, where Paul says, an overseer then must be gentle. I love the quote by Jonathan Edwards, who lived from 1703 to 758, who famously gave the sermon, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. But he said this, All who are truly godly and are real disciples of Christ have a gentle spirit in them. So that's really interesting. And then I love Gary Thomas's quote, which really is the heartbeat of what I want to talk about today. He says, It's the strong hand, not the weak one, that must be gentle. So I want to talk to you guys about the greatest man I've ever met. I've met a lot of great men. But the greatest man I ever met is a guy who was a president of Compassion International for many, many years. We've had him on our podcast twice now, a man named Wes Stafford. Under his leadership, Compassion International grew from to a $500 million annual budget. 84% of that went directly to children with 2.5 million children globally sponsored. Wes is a man's man. He's a U.S. Army veteran. He's an outdoorsman. He's a master with the slingshot, which he mastered during his childhood days uh, as a missionary's child on the Ivory Coast of Africa. He has been awarded five honorary doctorates and has dined with presidents of nations, but Wes admits that he would trade it all to hug a child. So here's this manly man, this masculine man. He would trade it all to hug a child. His passion for children originates from his missionary days in Africa, where he witnessed many of his childhood friends dying from easily treatable diseases. And after visiting a USA grocery store full of food and a pharmacy full of medicine, he cried out to the seemingly callous Americans who are unaware of the village's poverty. And so that's his story. Uh, Once asked about his passion, Wes said, and I heard Wes say this personally, I'm always just seconds away from crying over children. And today, I act differently around children because of that statement. I was in Mississippi uh, preaching. I sat next to the pastor's son, little Olin from Hungary, adopted from Hungary, uh, gave him a gift. We you know, just really took time to be with him and his little sister, Emi, Emi, mm-hmm. and just learn their name and tell you know and and just take that time because out of our strength pours gentleness. If you aren't strong, the spirit of gentleness doesn't pour out of you. Gentleness, and I want to emphasize this, comes out of a position of strength and not weakness. So the Greek word here uh, is the Greek word epiaikis. Epiaikis, and this word is only used in Scripture five times. And the hard part with epiaikis is it's an un, it's fairly untranslatable. So when I read this definition, you're going to be like, "Yep." So Anglican Archbishop Richard, uh, Richard Trench, who lived between 1807 and 1886, he described epiaikis as quote retreating from the letter of right in order to preserve the spirit of right, and the spirit which recognizes the impossibility of cleaving to all formal law, that recognizes the danger that ever waits up the assertion of legal rights, lest they should be pushed into moral wrongs. He continues that the spirit which rectifies and redresses the injustice of justice. Now, if you know what that means, you're a lot smarter than me. But the bottom line is this. Epiaikis means doing what is right, 
even though it may not be right. In other words, doing what is right, even though it may not be legal, like smuggling Bibles into China, uh, doing what is right, even though, like I, I've had situations where it was legal but not ethical, mm-hmm. right? So doing what is ethical, even though it's legal and refusing. So this is a something that we are, gentleness, epiikis, moves beyond the law to do what is right. That's all I'm saying. Mm. So I had an argument just today with a guy who was telling me that Jesus did not scream out on the cross with an exclamation mark in John 19.30, it is finished. And so I explained to him, well, yeah, in the three synoptic gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, it says he cried out in a loud voice. So we know that's true. We know he cried out in a loud voice. And John 19.30 doesn't say he cried out. John doesn't say he cried out, but in 19.30 it says... It is finished with an exclamation point. And for me, that's a game changer. How Jesus died is a game changer. But this guy said to me, well, Jesus was meek and mild and humble, and there's no way he would cry out from the cross. And I'm like, are you kidding me? This is the same guy that ripped the temple a new one? This is the same guy? Well, let's just unpack this a little bit. So gentle, meek, and mild, and humble are words that are often interchanged in Scripture to define the word gentle. Sadly, they are also words that are often interpreted as weak, soft, timid, and cowardly. Nothing could be further from the truth. Jerry Bridges wrote this, Both gentleness and meekness, listen to this little theme going on, Dale, are born out of power, not weakness. Mm. So all of these things flow out of power. I hope you're catching this, guys, that the act of gentleness can only manifest from a position of strength. It is humbling yourself and making yourself strategically smaller to care for the weaker, smaller, or younger. This can be figuratively humbling yourself as Jesus did in his coming to earth in the form of a man, Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 through 10. Or literally, as Wes Stafford kneels to honor a child. You know, I was I played college football with a guy, Steve Sazowski, 6'6, 285. He played in the NFL as an offensive lineman during the scab years, picked a fight with Charles Mann when Charles Mann was an all-pro in the year they won the Super Bowl. Uh, but Steve was so funny. He used to love saying, I'm going to go off. I'm going to go off. But it's really, And he drove this little Toyota Scarlet. It's like the <laughs> smallest car you can. And one time we were at a, a basketball game, with watching a basketball game against one of our rivals, and some of the fans of the rival team were screaming at Steve and me as we drove by. And when he got out of that car, they almost wet themselves because here's this giant. But Steve had this girlfriend that he loved dearly. And he used to tell me, you know, Jim, I'm just a gentle giant. I'm just a gentle giant. And what is what was he saying? Out of a position of strength, he offers his tenderness. And so uh, I, I love the story, guys. A guy goes to the doctor's office with severe headache. And this headache just absolutely would not go away. Doc, doc, he says, I have intense headache and, and the pain is all around my head. I can't sleep. I've tried every legal drug I can think of. Nothing seems to work. Can you help me? I'm begging you. I'm begging you. I'm just in so much pain. It must have been COVID. <laughs> anyway, the doctor said, no problem. He goes, hey, first let me ask you a few questions to dial in my diagnosis. Do you drink a lot of alcohol ever? Booze? The man said angrily. Are you kidding me? I'm a Christian. I would never touch that sinful stuff. How about smoking? Cancer sticks? Have you ever seen the people that smoke? I would never associate with smokers, let alone touch that stuff. What kind of person is willing to subject himself to becoming an ashtray mouth? So the doctor continued. He said, hey, I hate to ask this, so please don't be offended. 
but you know how some guys are. Have you ever been with another woman, you know, who, you know, who isn't your wife, you know, in a sexual way? Of course not. What kind of loser do you think I am? I get up every morning, I read my Bible, I pray, I go to work, I get to bed by nine every night, and I attend church every Sunday. Okay, okay, that helps a lot. Tell me then, is the pain really sharp and localized? Uh, is it an endless throbbing, or is the pain, or does the pain shoot from the outsides of your head inward? He goes, yes, yes, that, that's it, Doc. He said it's a sharp shooting kind that never goes away. The doctor looked at him. He said. Simple, my good man. The problem is that your halo is on too tight. <laughs> oh, aren't you glad halos are coming snapbacks? <laughs> you know, and so, you know, the thought, the story here, guys, is illustrating this. How often do you have thoughts that are nothing more than one snap tighter on the halo and one step further from Jesus and from being a gentle representative of Jesus and away from displaying your full capacity to a world that definitely and desperately needs to experience your strength as it manifests through gentleness. Look at Luke chapter 15 as the father embraces his humiliated son. Listen to Jesus calling an undignified taxpayer in a tree. Can you imagine the scene you're looking up? Cover, Hey, cover up that robe, dude. We can see way too much. Feel the emotion in the leopard touched by Jesus or bandaging the demon-possessed man who is now free or drawing a line in the sand against the woman in John 8 who's humiliated by her own sin. Over and over and over again, we see Jesus fixing broken halos. He loves to weld broken halos. He mends the broken halos and breaks the prideful ones. In fact, you know, it's really interesting, Dale. There are only three times in the Bible where Jesus is visibly angry. One is in Mark 10, uh, 10 verses 13 to 16, when the little children were coming to him and people were saying, they rebuked him. They said, no, 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 get the children away. And it says, the Bible says, Jesus was indignant. Jesus was indignant. He, he rebuked the people around him and he swept the kids up in his arms. In that story, you can see Jesus' gentleness in the midst of his indignation. So to say that Jesus would never cry out from the cross, to say Jesus would never get angry, to say Jesus would, would never you know, raise his voice is just biblically wrong. Brennan Manning writes, Children in that society had no status of all. They did not count. The child was regarded with scorn. In the New Testament times, a child was considered of no importance, meriting little attention or favor, and Jesus focuses on them. And that is the spirit of gentleness that flows out of strength. Though It's really interesting, Dale, when you think about when you watch Jesus, people who came to him humiliated, he offered grace and gentleness. People who came at him with pride, he offered the law and indignation or rigidity. So, that, so he dealt with the broken with gentleness. He dealt with the broken out of a position of strength. So when I study Jesus' responses to people, it just it's it's really cool to watch. So when I think about, okay, who are the people that I need to, out of my strength, respond to gently? The first group that came to mind is those who politically oppose what I believe. You know, instead of pointing a finger, instead of calling them names and bashing them, I need to actually be gentle to them and kind to them. The physically weaker. It's really easy to push people around who are physically weaker than you. And since most people I associate with are generally physically weaker, I need to be very careful 
to not use my physical strength or my stature against them. The terminally or chronically ill, these people need our tenderness to nurture them through life. The spiritually enslaved, people who are spiritually in bondage, people who are uh, who who leaders who have fallen from leadership because of moral failures, these people, uh, they need us to be gentle towards them. They've already been condemned. They've already been removed. But they need us to, instead of judge, to be gentle because God is already doing the judging. Mm-hmm. The demographically downtrodden. You know, how do we handle those people holding the signs or, or, or the drunk guy walking down the street or, you know, the homeless? How do we handle that? How do we deal with that? Do we deal with a spirit of gentleness or a spirit of condemnation? And I would say the vocationally inferior. So if you're a Christian listening to this and you are a wealthy man, how do you deal with people who are demographically dissimilar to you? The church should have no difference as far as how we treat each other. I do not believe in equity when it comes to the kingdom of God, but I do believe in equality and treating people with equal dignity. So anyway, so guys, I hope that helps you to understand what it means by the gentle man. He offers gentleness from a position of power and strength. Dale, what's up, man? Drive us home. Man, we want you to head on over to our website at minandarena.org and grab a free electronic version of our newest book, Tell Them What Great Fathers Tell Their Sons and Daughters. And while you're there, click on Join Our Program to get on one of our many virtual teams. Until next time, fill the wet sand on the arena floor. Hear the deafening roar of the crowd. Taste the sweetness of victory. Smell the stench of battle. Get in the game. Get dirty. Grind it out. And be a gentleman. You've been listening to the Men in the Arena podcast. If you hunger to be your best version, then join thousands of men from around the world in our Men in the Arena forum on Facebook. This is the best place to have open discussions around the topic of biblical manhood. Make sure to explore our website at meninthearena.org, sign up for the weekly equipping blast, and take advantage of our many free resources designed to help you become your best version of a man. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Men in the Arena podcast. Remember, when a man gets it, Everyone wins. What type of dad are you? Guys, in my 35 years of ministry, I've noticed that guys basically fall into two categories. And in those categories, there are four types of dad or four phases that you pass through as a dad. We just dropped an amazing quiz to help you discover what type of dad you are. Find out what type of father you are and get our custom resources fit to meet the needs and the questions you are asking. Head on over to menarena.org. Join 20,000 men from around the world and find out the type of dad you are.